Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being here with us today. I so appreciate you. So glad to have you here with us. And I really hope that while we're together today, that we can really help you with the things, the elements of you that then will help you thrive in life. And because we know that when we thrive in life, then our business is going to thrive as well. There are kind of two elements of this. There's the people we allow into our lives and then the person that we are that we are with our lives. Um, and so that's what we want to talk about today. Before I jump into the intro here, I do want to tell you about a couple of really exciting opportunities I have for you. My good friend Errol Abramson, multi-billionaire, 47-0 when it comes to successful businesses he started. Um, Errol is such an amazing guy, um, and really intelligent businessman, but really a good friend too. Errol is offering some exclusive mentoring, coaching with a very select group of people. And I, I gotta tell you, his rate for a month of coaching is way, way less than most coaches I know of will charge you for an hour. Errol wants to meet with you a couple times a week, be available via email, anytime you need his help to really help coach you. If you're interested in being coached by a multi-billionaire, I'm not talking about some guy who became a coach last week or um, you know thinks that he has an interesting concept, but I'm talking about somebody who literally has created and successfully launched over 40 businesses, 47 businesses to be complete. Um, you know, and all of them were million dollar businesses. A couple of them are even billion dollar businesses. You really want to learn some stuff from Errol. If you're interested, reach out to me. I'd be glad to talk to you about that in more detail. You can just simply uh, find me on Facebook, Steve Kidd. Um, that's me. Um, also, I'm really excited to introduce to you that I am going to be one of the keynote speakers one of the guys that is going to be part of the Complete Man Summit, which is happening April of 2020. Um, it's really designed to help guys find some ways to up-level themselves in multiple areas of their life. The uh, categories of master classes are going to include business and finance, health and wellness, relationships and marriage, lifestyle, in other words, living your best life, and then also unleashing your inner warrior. And uh, I will be talking about how to write your book in one hour, of course, because um, that's ultimately what I do is I help you share your story with the world to really allow you to give what you know so far to the world. 
you know, we'll know more tomorrow, but it's important for us to show what we know today to the people around us that we're meant to serve. That leads me back into what we're going to be talking about today. You see, again, there are two elements of who you are as a person. There are the people that you allow into your life, and that's important. Um, and then there are the people whose lives you are in and the you that you put out into the world. And here's the key. Um, so often what we want to do is control everything and everybody around us, right? Um, but the truth of the matter is, is the only person that you really can control is you. Um, I remember a good friend of mine one time, he said, what I'd like for you to do as a new manager in training is to become an expert at the first level of management. And that's called manage yourself. <laughs> um, and the first time I heard that, I laughed. And then the more I think of it, the clearer that becomes to me. Because really, you can't do anything about the person sitting next to you, the people in your life, no matter how close you are, you can influence them. You can uh, give them answers, help, solution. Um, just like you can lead the horse to water and you can't make them drink, you have no control over the decisions that others make. And that's good, actually, because really, let's think about it for a minute. Do you really want the pressure of both having to have to make your own choices in life as well as the choices for somebody else and then also deal with the consequences of not only your own choices in life but their consequences as well so really there's that you that you are that's at the center of this conversation we're having today that first element the people that you allow into your life you know there's that old saying you become the most like the five people that you spend the most time with. Um, and often what we find is, is, is that there are five people in our life and they're very close to us and they are impacting us. And because we are so close to it, we don't see it. You know, as uh, my friend Greg is always saying, um, you know, you can't read the label of the jar that you're inside of. Um, a lot of times the closest of people in our life are people that we've opened the lid on that jar and had them come crawl in the jar with us. And so we can't see what impact them being in our lives is making to what the label, you know, the ingredients of what's inside of that jar says now on the outside of it. Um, think about it. You know, have you ever read the ingredients list of some products? Um, I've heard health and nutrition coaches talk about how, um, you know, what the first couple ingredients are and are they number one words you can even read? And number two, are they actual foods? Um, you know, if it's red dye 49, um, let's be honest, we all know that is probably not a food. However, if it's water, water's a food, um, you know, if it says corn, if it says green beans, um, you know, those kind of things, if that's the first thing in there, um, both it's a food, but you can also tell what kind of impact it's going to have on you. Like if the number one ingredient is sugar, well, A, you know, it's probably going to be, uh, you know, sweet, 
but you also know that it may not necessarily be healthy, right? So when we allow those five people to jump in the jar with us and they become one of the ingredients on the jar, it impacts what's in that jar. Just like if you were to take something that's really sour, um, you know, and there are some, some sour sauces. I think of some of the sour sauces in, um, you know, in like uh, hot and sour soup in Chinese food, if you've ever had that, can be a very, very sour type of a taste. Um, but if you take those same ingredients and you add a little bit of sugar in with them, totally changes the chemistry and the makeup of how that tastes. And that's, you know, why there are so many different elements to food, right? Same thing is true with the people that we allow in our lives. They jump in that jar with us and it totally changes the chemistry of what's in that jar and therefore the taste and the flavor of it. You know, it doesn't take, in fact, if you put too much salt in something, it just becomes kind of a salt bomb um, and it really destroys all the flavor. Another one um, that I really didn't know this until a couple of years ago, but is pepper. Um, you know, you add a little bit of pepper and it can be a, a seasoning that, you know, makes the, the meat or whatever you're putting it on taste flavorful. When you drown it, um, it, it becomes this really revolting flavor, you know. Same thing's true with sugar, salt, vinegar, any of those kind of things that are the people in our lives. And they are kind of like the spices that get added into. And the thing about it is, is the person that is you changes because of that person that you're allowing into your life. And I want to hope that those people that you're letting in, those are really high quality people that are going to really make you the best version of yourself. But if they aren't, just the same as somebody trying to yank somebody up onto a chair with them while a person on the ground is trying to pull them down off of the chair, the same is true when it comes to bad relationships. We often think, you know, I can impact this person. I can make a difference. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't minister, uh, be with people, but I'm talking about those five people that are the closest people in your life. You want them to be people that are either helping you as you up-level yourself or who are at your same level and you're growing together in the same direction. You know, uh, Chris Rock tells the joke, you know, two people who one says, I'm going to go to church, and the other one says, I'm going to hit the crack pipe. You know, they're probably not going to be compatible long term just isn't going to work out. Now, the other side to that equation is true as well. There is that person that we present out into the world, that person that we really want to be out in the world. Now, I'm not talking about your representative. Any of you who have ever been on a first date know what it's like to send your representative and to meet somebody's representative, right? You know, you don't just tell a person everything beneath the covers on the very, very first minute you meet them. Um, 
I say that I can think of a couple of oper- uh, a couple of times when I know of situations where people have done that. In almost all of them, it turns out being a pretty bad thing if a person just kind of spews on you, you know? If a person within the first five minutes of meeting you is telling you all about their parents' divorce, you might wonder why is that so important that that's one of the first things this person needs to tell me about. Um, You know, so we end up typically meeting a person's representative um, and uh, the person that they put on. Um, I'm not in this case talking about our representative that we put out into the world, but I'm talking about the genuine you that you put out into the world. Who is that heart and soul and core of you? Can you be genuine? Can you be authentic and vulnerable? That still doesn't mean that you need to spew the worst events in your life right off of the very top. You know, in our book writing formula, one of the very first things we talk about is that you introduce your book on, this is who I am today. This is a vision of what life can look like if you learn to do this thing that I've taught you. We don't start off with, it was a sad and gloomy day in my life. I remember the day that my dad walked out the door. I mean, that's great for a TV movie and it's, eh, you know, it's dramatic. But the truth of the matter is, is, is that though that things like that in a fiction, you know, in a story that's not real can drag us in and make us want to learn more about the story, when we're teaching, when we want to help somebody make that needlepoint shift move in their life, when we're doing that, we want to cast a vision for them of something better. That's the kind of authenticity I'm talking about, that kind of genuineness and vulnerability. Then we earn the right, because we can cast a vision for them of something better, to then also share with them those things that connect us heart to heart, soul to soul. I know where you've been, because I've been there too. But let me share with you that I came out the other side and there's something good. So today we want to talk about uh, that brand, if you will, even, that's you out into the world. And we want to talk about those people that you allow into your world. Both of those are so important. You want to be genuine in the world. You want to be this sincere, genuinely authentic, visible and valuable person in the world. You also want those kind of people in your life. You want to add that right spice to make you more flavorful. You are more interesting, yes, but also more valuable and valid person in the world because of those people that you've allowed to jump in the jar with you. It's a really a fun uh, you know, little visual, isn't it? When we do that, then We are well on our way to living as a thriving entrepreneur. We've added just the right spices into our life to help us be the most flavorful version of ourselves and continuing to grow and up-level to become better and better to help the people that we were meant to serve. That's what it's all about, right? That is ultimately what all of us I know want 
when we talk about living as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we will be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away. We'll see you real soon. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelp.com. Youthrive.com. Check us out and find out how you can be a best selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we talk about both the people we allow into our lives as well as the person that we want to be out into the world. So first up, let's talk about those people that we're going to bring into our life, the impact that they're going to make on us, and let's learn some secrets in how we can be the best us by allowing the best of them into our lives. All right, today let's talk about conquering the man monster in your life now. For so many, there are those people in our life that we should have been rid of yesterday, but let's not keep them on for another day. To help me with that, I'm joined by best-selling author T. Renee Garner. Her book, Con- Conquer the Man Monster Now. Hey, Renee, how are you doing today? Hey, Steve, I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. So tell everybody a little bit about you and uh, how you got to this point in your life. Thank you. So a little bit about me is I am just a regular woman that has aspirations to be loved, right? Like everyone in the world that wants to be loved. And I am a single mom, a mom of of two. Um, I was about to say three. There is no bun in the oven right right now, but I am a single mom with two beautiful children. And let me tell you, um, a full-time mom working a full-time career, birthing books and helping people change their lives and helping themselves remove themselves out of hurtful relationships and just cause them to stay stuck and not see themselves great and um, share my story of what I went through. You know, what most people see today is, you know, this wonderful book, which is Conquering the Man Monster, but what they don't know is years out of those relationships, you know, it came to a place where I was getting hurt. I kept getting the same relationships over and over and over again, attracting the same persons, whereas in my mind, I was mentally changing, mentally growing. And so the ironic thing is I kept getting 
people that, you know, wanted to love me. And I do believe they wanted to love me in their own right, in their own way. And I want to leave their dignity intact in that space. Um, it just wasn't the way that I needed to be loved, if that makes sense. It absolutely does, yeah. So how do you, how do you even identify that this guy you thought was just Mr. Wonderful is actually Mr. Man Monster? So there is a few key things that you can determine whether or not you're dealing with a person that is Mr. Wonderful slash Man Monster. Is there's telltale signs. Do they easily get upset? Are they argumentative? You know, there is a dating part in the whole domestic violence piece, which is exactly what the man monster is. Um, there's just this dating, dating violence part that shows up out of this particular person who is also loving. So if they can turn it off real quickly in your life um, with you and talking to you, then definitely you're dealing with the man monster. I always ignored the signs of argumentative, but in the inward me, um, I felt that the person, I knew that, they, that there was something a little off but I chose to understand it and just say, that's just how that person is. Oh, he doesn't do that to me. So that's telltale sign number one. Number two is if they get jealous of you. If they're getting jealous of what you have accomplished versus seeing you in a marriage or in a dating relationship as a team, then there is definitely a problem because how can two run together unless they agree is the problem there because there's no bitterness or jealousy or backbiting. And that's not what love is. You know, I came up with the man monster because the man monster is simply what, what God showed me what was love was not. So first Corinthians talk about what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Love is not backbiting. Love doesn't hurt. Love doesn't, you know, treat you wrong. It doesn't hit. Love always protects and love always provides. Love covers a of everything when you love someone. So you can definitely tell, number three, if the person is not the right person for you is because they're easily angered and they're they're basically nitpicking. That's not love. Those are the first three things. Hmm. So here comes the hard one. Um, the typical response and having four daughters, I've heard this a few times from them as well, is yes, but he has such great potential. Ha, I love it. <laughs> That's the famous one that I hear all the time. And believe it or not, Steve, let me tell you, I hear it in teenagers, right? They're looking for the right guy. And sometimes they get confused. They end up looking for the right same sex. And that's another issue with dealing with the man monster in your life or domestic violence in our lives. It also spilled down to our kids where they're willing to accept, huh, well, they just have a lot of potential. Maybe if I can change them or I can help them, they'll see. And that's not the case. See, everybody has an a, a, a alternative motive. And if they can't help themselves and do what they need to do for themselves, then surely me, the woman, cannot do that for them. So how do we, because really, um, as much as the book talks about the man monster, it's really about each of us inside of ourselves. What do we do inside of ourselves to stop trying to fix all of these potential people and just wait or look for somebody good? 
Well, here's the main key. Um, that's an excellent question. Even after you deal, I dealt with the man monster, and even after writing the book, I still had internal issues that I was dealing with on personally. And the beautiful part about that is I took uh, some time out to just deal with what I wanted, right? What do I want to accomplish out of my life? And what have I been saying about myself that has been attracting the same type of people, i.e., they have good potential, or was what was it that I was willing to settle? Now, that's an inward question that each person, whether it be male, woman, um, have to go through and identify what love looked like. So I began to write down what love is to me and what love is not. And that is the baseline for my life now. I know what I want. I know what love feels like. I know if it, it's not something that is um, acceptable for me. And if I begin to lower it based off of what I set in my diagram of what my standard is of love, then I have then begin to settle for average or go through a process where I believe will attract the man monster. So that's the first step is looking inwardly and just doing a self-analysis of what behaviors we have in our own life that we're willing to change and then what behaviors we want to invite in our lives with another person. Once we establish that baseline number two, you have a measuring stick. You have something that you can measure by and now you can, it's repeatable. You can actually teach that to your children's children's children of what love is and what love is not. So there are some people that, you know, they read your book or they listen to this interview and they realize that the guy they've been married to for a really long time sometimes uh, really is a monster. Um, what do you do in that case? I mean, that's a little bit diff more difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, the husband and wife relationship is very difficult because there's set behaviors that was already established and adapted to. And so they become learned behaviors that, you know, it's hard to change another person. However, it's not hard to have a standard, right? And so sometimes we have to um, teach people how to treat us, teach people how to treat and come to a standard that we're willing to accept. For example, um, you know, if the standard is to open the door for me, then it's okay for me to stand outside and wait until you remember to open a door thereby I'm now teaching a new pattern or a new set of behaviors. Now, if it's a husband and wife situation, that's an easier one to do because, you know, it's just a door. But how do you change habits and finances and habits and how, you know, this person talked to you for all, all these years and now you're going to have a standard. And so that's going to come with over time. But there's something that's in project management. It's called the storm. There's a storming process before you get to a normalizing process. So there's a new phase that you're going to introduce and people are going to be upset. He's going to be upset. She's going to be upset. But there's a storm that we have to go through. And if you keep and establish that baseline there, then there will be a shift that takes place. But if you fall and crumble, then it's kind of like, okay, you go back to the old habits. So then you get to entertain or taught the person, hey, I know you want to change, but I'm going to kick and scream and I'm going to create this storm and you're going to go back to your own set of behaviors and when you try it again, guess what? I'm going to do the same thing, kick and scream and kick and scream only until she decides in her mind that this is the standard and I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep raising the bar until we come to an agreement that this is how it's going to be or we're just not going to be together. And that's a, that's a, that's a stronger stance 
of breaking the patterns of the man monster because you want to go to what love is and what you believe love is for yourself and your lives so what i have been training and teaching is just to set that storm because after the storm it will become to a process where it's a normalizing process and then we would perform in that manner over time now the beautiful thing about 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 what i'm sharing with you is i'm not teaching anything new i mean there is a Maslow hierarchy that talks about the basic things that we need in life. And what I found is there's, you know, the need to be, you know, fed and safety. And then there's a need for love. And then there's a, the, another level where, you know, you actually begin to realize what you've accomplished. And then the last level is you walking in your bliss, you're walking in your goal and people are giving you, you know, gratification and, and praises for what you've accomplished. I have found their biggest problem is we all have our food, we all are safe, we all are fed, but the part where it says love, love and just to be um, felt and belong, and that's what that Maslow meant, he meant love and belong. That's an area, that's a gray area, because most of the time we're talking about acceptance and fitting in. And if you see the connection of the man monster, you see it as if we're trying to fit in or be accepted in someone else's world that we equal that to love. And that's not the case. Mm, that's powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. And so, I found that it's, I'm sorry, I found that you can recognize that even in our children. And that's what I mean. It's an inward self-taught from the woman or the man. But in this case, the woman, she's teaching her children. And they're seeing what, we, what they, their parents see. So they're doing and accepting exactly what their parents accepted. And that's the important key about understanding how to conquer the inner man monster. So even after presenting this, I know you've ran into this before where you give people all this information and then their response to you is, yeah, but Renee, you don't understand my situation. <laughs> Chad, you understand, mom. <laughs> what, do, what do you say to a person who says that to you? You know, so this, everything that we're talking about is really, and I'm not, not a psychologist major. I have just lived this experience. And don't ask me why I'm living the experience or have lived the experience, but I lived it to tell the story. And when someone says, well, Chad, you understand, that's, I can't do that. I need him. It's I need that type of love. And that's okay, because that is truly where they are. And you have to accept people and understand people where, they're, where they are, where they at. It's definitely not a good word, but where they at. Where, where they at is okay, because they have to come to a place where they're tired on the inside of them. How do they do that? That's the key. How do I come to a place where I see something differently than what I see in my circumstance? And that is where you have those wonderful classes that I can help them with and just hanging around with some of the groups that I have here in Maryland um, that talks about empowerment for women, inspiring generations. And the beautiful part about inspiring generations is we just do exactly what you said. I see myself here. I'm looking in this mirror and I, this is the reflection. 
that I see, but that's not what I really see. I want to see something greater. I want to see something better, but really I'm just stuck in this place. And how do I get out? And you hang around people. This is the key point. You hang around people that you want to be like, people that you want to um, emulate, you know. And so you read books and you work on you do the self-work. Sometimes it is very important to even get counseling in those areas because you're now saying, hey, that ain't, you, you don't understand my situation. I just can't break the code. And so there is something on the inside that we have to dig deeper. And maybe we just need the support system of sisterhood. So that's what inspiring generations do. That's awesome. So um, if I remember correctly, you were working on a play. Did you ever end up doing the play for the, for the book? Oh my gosh, yes. The book and the play came out. And let me tell you, oh my goodness. The play just discovered and, and, and unveiled the real, true acceptance of everybody deals with a man monster, right? You know, um, I had people tell me, listen, I don't understand the musical gospel comedy stage play, The Man Monster, because I don't understand the Christian side, the gospel side. But you know what? I understand the man monster. And that was a beautiful revelation for me. And the reason why is because what I took from the Bible was 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 of what love is and just translated into what I would say, wow, why didn't anyone teach us what to do when our man turns into a monster? You know, some people would say, stay with them because it's hard out there. And then some people would say, you know what, you're better than that. But how do you get to that place? And so the play describes a story of love and passionate for family from a woman that loves her family. And she owned a beauty salon. And let me tell you, the end result was people ratting and raving about the man monster here in the area. And so we ran a play two more times since then, and we're gonna start doing it regularly here in Maryland. And we're working with a couple of nonprofit organizations and um, putting that in place at schools, talking to teens about dating. Um, and then here's the key point, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And that's what the, the man monster pretty much stemmed from. It talks about backbiting, fighting, um, and that's what we all know, the physical side of domestic violence. But there are so many other facets of domestic violence um, that we don't talk about, such as financial abuse, you know, mental abuse of it all, and such as the abuse to the children, elderly abuse. There's so many facets of, of um, domestic violence and what it does in the household that we decided to show it in one segment in a, the stage play, the musical gospel comedy stage play, The Man Monster. It'll be coming out again in 2020. Um, you can go to the website, www.themanmonster.com and just take a peek at what we have lined up for our events, upcoming events, as well as, you know, understanding that the teens have um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month in the month of February. I was really amazed to learn that because, you know, now we do things for the teens. We do workshops for the teens that help them understand, you know, guidelines to dating. There's a whole wealth of information out there about, you know, February being the, um, dating awareness month. And you have young adults that need to know about how to date in a healthy environment and what to look like in signs and dating. For example, cyberbullying. And so the play covers a multiple multiple things it also covers teens dating um cyber bullying there's a part in there and it's just a healing 
first of all, is an awareness, but then it's also a healing piece. And so the play actually had so many people that came out, almost 600 people that came out to see the play in one night. And one of the moms that was there, she was 80 years old, and she just hugged me, thanked me, wrote a couple of great reviews and said, you know what, you brought some things up that I didn't know that was suppressed in me. Imagine, 80 years old. And she was able to get help for not just herself, but her family. And that's a beautiful thing. That's, the, that's exactly what the mission is for the play, right? Is to be real and uncover and heal. And that's the entire goal for the Man Monster musical gospel comedy stage play. Hmm. I do hope that people that are in the Maryland area can go and see the play. So for the person that's listening, um, and they just need to take a baby step. What is an easy first step that a person can do to start really determining what love should look like in their life? Great question. You know, I'm, I, and when you ask that question, I just closed my eyes and said, realize that they're loved. Like somebody loves them. And that first person is not just God, but they love themselves. The second baby step is to write out, literally take a pen and write out what love is to them. See, it may not look the same to you or I, but love could just be, you know, every day coming in the house and saying, hello, I'm glad you're home. I love you. That's could be what love looked like, you know. Um, so what does love look like? For me, love looked like being provided for because I had to provide for myself all these years. I wouldn't mind having the help of love in the form of being provided for. Love looked like when my feet hurt, rub my feet. You know, those are the things that I begin to write down. You know, um, love looked like for my kids to say, thank you for the food. Why? Because it's so hard to, you know, do everything. It's nice to feel like a thank you is, is uh, welcome. And you're loved by just, you know, hey, they took the time to come back and just say thank you. So I began to write that down. And that's the baby step of just getting started is to write down what really is love to you and how does it really look. And then make it into a tangible form. So don't just write it down and leave it there. Apply it bit by bit in your life. And if you meet a little bit of resistance, and you will, and you'll forget to even accept your own standards, um, just take your time and go back. Forgive yourself for forgetting and then start over and over until it becomes a repeated habit. The book is called Conquer the Man Monster Now by T. Renee Garner. It is a bestseller that you can get on Amazon. Renee, if a person wants to go deeper with you, how can they get in contact with you? Oh, perfect. I am T. Renee Garner on all social media. And then we have a direct line to our support team. It's at 301-580-9299. That's 301-580-9299. Or just email me at trenaeinspires at gmail.com. That's trenaeinspires at gmail.com. Renee, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was fun. Thanks so much. So I want you, as we go into this next commercial break, I want you to really think, who are those people that I'm allowing into my life? Are they 
worthy of me? Are they people who are adding that spice to my life, making my life better, or are they people who are diminishing me? They're making me less flavorful because of the impact that I've allowed them to have on me. I want you to give that some thought. Um, I hope that all the people that are in, especially in that tight five circle of people in your life are all people that help up level you. And that way, each of you can be like iron sharpening iron and you can all live together as thriving entrepreneurs. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we talk about both the people we allow into our lives as well as the person that we are in life. So next we want to talk about who are we out in the world? What is our brand? What is our personal brand identity that we're going to share with the world? Not just in our business, but also who we are personally. Let's jump into that one next. Your personal brand, your personal identity, being known for something. What do people know about you and is it something that people can trust? Well, to help us with that today, I'm joined by a great guest and he is going to help us today to be able to really, really hone down on our online reputation. Thanks for being with us here today, Emmy. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm honored. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got into online reputation management. Sure. So one of my companies is known as WebMetroSquid. And primarily, it's known to the public guy um, as an SEO agency. Online reputation management is basically SEO on your own name or your brand name to basically build that reputation in a way to in Google's eyes and Bing and all the search engines in a way that is positive to you. And basically that became extensive. Now in my private network that I never really advertised online to, who know me in person, in Boca, Orlando, California, Arizona, et cetera. These are very high profile people and their reputation is very important to them. Because you're talking about people with eight figures, nine figures, billionaires, or even politicians. And what they care about is their reputation because the reputation determines if they get deals or cases or the um, office or whatever. So really it became out of necessity how I went from reputation management. 
And so what is the uh, number one thing that people need to understand about their online reputation? The first thing is what I would do is, is type in your name and your company name into Google. See what shows up, not only in the search results, but in the image section and also inside the news section. Because what most people don't realize is even in the images or the news section exists. You can often get news that are completely false about you. Or you can get images. I had some cases where people had images that were, let's put it, indecent. But it wasn't actually a event, but it was a Photoshop. And of course, when they lost deals because of it, or everything started popping up, and it wasn't there. But, and it clearly was Photoshop, but no one really took that much of an interest with a different deal, because these are busy people. So what I would always say is look at your Google images and you set them in your search engine results for your name and your company name. Make sure there's nothing untoward that can hurt your brand. So you type in your name, and um, something really, really scary comes up, <laughs> then what do you do? Well, what you can do is this, find out where the website's hosting it and what you can do for the website. For example, some websites, you will be able to pay them a small fee or ask them to take it down for free with evidence. Others, you have to maybe go to a lawyer to get a petition to get them to take it down. For example, in newspapers, you have to prove that the case is invalid and the breach of privacy or the human rights but you can generally get taken down. There are other ways to get them taken down. What I only do is um, run into the lawsuit because it's expensive. I just bully the stuff off the first page of Google or way down. Because what happens is, if we look at Google on the first page, how many people actually go to the second page of Google? If you optimize your brand correctly, for example, and get a good knowledge panel for your name, you get nothing but press or podcast ranking for your name, People are going to trust your brand. They're not going to probably go to the second page. Perfect. All right. So um, what what kind of things do you do? I love that you use the phrase bullying it. Uh, what kind of things do you do to boister uh, getting more information about you onto that first page of Google? <clears throat> so the very first thing I like to do is when I was going about Google on the first page, um, and I like to go to something called ink.com slash verified. It's a verified profile on ink.com. You pay $50. Let me just look at the URL story. Um, but yeah, I use that. Yeah, I put the URL to get a profile on ink. It ranks normally for your brand name or your name almost guaranteed in the, within six to eight weeks for free with zero links, right? Now, if you've got a very famous name, for example, you have a name such as. Kylie Jenner, it's not going to like that easily, but generally, um, the point is, I, I make multiple names, you can rank the verified for your company name very easily for you. Then, the other thing I like to do is use a very high-end press release provider and put my name in the title of the press release, what I want to rank for, because now I get at least one article of the press release ranking for my name. And I like to link it to my LinkedIn profile and also to my personal website or the website I want to rank, which is, might be my company website. The reason I do that is, now I'm also supporting the link to rank my LinkedIn profile, which is where, how are people perceive me as a business professional automatically, as well as, I now got four listings out of the 10 already controlled. How is it going to show up? Perfect, all right. So um, what happens if we don't? I mean, what if a person just lets 
whatever's out there be out there. Well, I'm gonna, you can leave things out there, whatever's out there, and it might not be harmful, but what if it is harmful? And let's say you do leave it and it's not harmful. Would you rather not put a bit of extra time and money into building something that people will trust you with easier? Therefore, you can sell them not only at higher, but easier as well. The conversion rate of your sales call could jump from 10% to 20% or 20% to 40%. You can literally double your conversion rate by having a good brand. Because people, especially my network, and when I deal with lawyers as well, they're always looking up on Google. And if I don't have what's showing up in Google looking great about me, what is that going to do for my brand name? Not very much. So what are the things that you know now that you wish you would have known five or 10 years ago to have done with uh, you know, your personal brand or people you work with as brands? What I was I knew a couple of years ago was um, basically getting columns at publications such as Five Global because your name will rank inside the profile and it'll rank for your name almost guaranteed on the profile on the first page of Google. And you can get a bunch of these smaller ones, such as Five Global, Good Men Project, Addicted to Success, Future Sharks, and whatever. I can list hundreds of them. And the point is, when your name is ranking these titles, these domains will generally rank for your name. And therefore, you can take up another three or four spots. That means, whoever is in the first four spots, we will have eight spots taken up in Google of good quality, um, I put it this way, good positive light, quality light about how you can serve people and solve their problems. That's what I was have done five years ago. Awesome. So, um, what is a person who, you know, they've never really intentionally put a brand out there? What's the very first thing? that they need to know in order to create the brand that they really want? My opinion, to create a brand that you really want is to understand who your ideal customer is. Because a brand that isn't built based on solving your ideal customer's problems or, um, or challenges, whatever you want to explain it, it can be a brand that can be a disaster. And they, a brand is about creating a perception of how you can solve their problems. And if I can't come across the trustworthy and be expert that can solve their problems, then what use is my brand? Mm, absolutely. And how focused do you recommend to people to be on the problem they solve? You know, because I talk to so many people and they're like, yeah, but I, I, I really help everybody. Here's the thing. I own seven companies. Most people only know what back to three. I don't reveal my other companies because I don't care. I'm not in the face of those companies either, right? You want someone to be a face of one company and be one solution. If you want to start doing other things, you need to partner with someone and be the face of that. So I would really put the bag to be known as the expert in one thing. And when you really want to have a thing, do not be the face of it, do not be the name of it, and um, let them, what's it called, be able to that person would be the brand, and then you can solve their problems. If you don't try to specialize, then you're gonna, um, one, you're gonna tell a lot of people who could actually, probably you could solve, if you actually get up what you're doing. But two, you probably know what you're actually doing to the level that you could. And then mastery comes from focus, right? Too many people don't focus. 
Now, I know how to do things in a different way. I don't have a different framework. But most people don't know how to put a framework from 8 to 20 Q. Most people don't even heard of 8 to 20 Q. So you really got to focus and make people know that you are the number one here. Once people know that you're number one here, it, it makes sense. And if you want to be doing more than one thing, make sure it's complimentary. For example, a lot of people know me in the online world as PR. Online reputation management ties very perfectly with PR. But my other thing that I do, outside of my SEO agency or online reputation management, does not tie into the, any of those three things. So what uses it that people don't know about it? Zero. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what should be the very first thing that a person does um, after listening to this message to, uh, to begin to start to really create a good online brand and really manage it? The very first thing I would do is make sure to understand your customer avatar. Once you understand the customer avatar, then you can focus on building a brand. Without that, you can't do a build a brand, in my opinion, as I said earlier. Now, if you didn't say what's the one piece of advice you can give for reputation, I would say claim an verified profile and run a high-end press release where you, for example, marketed media. Marketed media, you can get yourself on Yahoo Finance through that. That is a good link to rank for your name. And make sure your name is in the title of the press release. That is what I would do for reputation. But for branding, I would do understanding the customer avatar and nail it down to one service one problem you're going to solve for these guys that can pay you money consistently. And Emmy, how can people who would like to go deeper with you, how can they get in contact with you? They can just add me on Facebook, um, Emmy Tarek, or they can go to my company website, WebMakers Group, or they can add me on LinkedIn as well. Emmy Tarek as well there. Perfect. Well, um, I really do encourage everybody to reach out to Emmy Tarek and uh, get your online reputation taken care of. Thanks so much for spending some time with us on the show today, Emmy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So who are you? Who are the people you allow in your life? Who is the you that you put out into the world? How are you presenting yourself to the world? What are all the elements that come together to make you the sweet, savory, spicy, whatever, flavorful you that you are? Are you managing that? Are you intentionally making sure that the people that you're allowing in your life are making you a better person, helping you as you grow to the better you you want to be? Or do you just see a lot of potential in the people that you're talking, that you're spending time with, that you're around? Whatever the case may be, I hope that you really will look at the people that are in your life um, and you will find yourself in a place where, if, you, if not now, um, that you will get to a place where you truly are surrounded by amazing people. And then I hope you will take the time to really establish your personal brand. Who am I? Who do I want to show up as in the world? How do I want to accomplish that? What do I want people to take away from being with me, 
from time spent with me, what are the things that I want people to say about me, to know about me? What impact do I want to make in the world? I hope you already know the answers to those questions. And if that seems a little too overwhelming because you don't, take it just simply one step at a time. Look at who are the five people that you spend the most time with and ask yourself that one question. Are they helping me be better? Then secondarily, um, look at how you present yourself out into the world and ask yourself the simple question, is that how I want to present myself to the world? It doesn't matter whether the answer is yes or no, because here's the great thing. If the answer is yes, then do more of it. And if the answer is no, you have the power to change it. Because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world does need you. I need you to know that. To take it in. To let it soak into who you are. That's why I say it every week. Because I'm going to keep saying it until you believe it. And then I'm going to say it some more until it rings true in everything that you do. Because you're so wonderful. You have so much to give, so much to offer to this world. And we really do need you to share it. One of those things when it comes to sharing you with the world does most definitely come to your story. You do need to write a book. You do need to share who you are to share your message with the world. If you don't, nobody else is going to. Not really. You need to be the author of your now and going into your future. You can do it. You need to share with the people around you and even the people all the way on the other side of the planet that thing you went through, what you learned from it, and how they can maybe miss, miss that ditch in the road by doing the thing that you learned before they have to hit that ditch and learn it themselves. When each of us does that, that allows us the ability to come together as true community and for each of us to live as a thriving entrepreneur. I want that so much for you. I hope that you're achieving it. Have a great week. Until next time, in everything that you do, I hope that you will thrive. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. 
It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.